Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is energy, and that energy is interconnected and interdependent. And so in essence, that energy is one thing. Ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons, and now science is catching up. But it's not even new science. I'm talking about quantum physics, which is over 100 years old. So this is something we should know by now, (laughs) that we are literally all connected. What you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. There is no separation. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is When Souls Awaken with Peter Elson. Peter, welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you, Caroline. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Now, Peter, could you please share with our listeners, I love the title of your website, When Souls Awaken, because it's all about waking up and remembering who we truly are as divine souls. So please share with our listeners your background, your journey, uh, and what brought you to the work that you're doing now. Well, um, I'm originally from Holland, the Netherlands, and my parents were very progressive people. My mom was a yogi in the early 70s. Oh, wow. and, uh, initially, she was with TM, you know, Transcendental Meditation. Yes, actually, I had an aunt. This is, that's very interesting. In the, it was in the 70s. Um, I, my aunt got into Transcendental Meditation, and I remember that so clearly. She would have people come over the house, and they would sit in, and do Transcendental Meditation. And I was like, what is this going on? You know, I was I was a teenager. I was a young teenager at the time. But yes. So. That was my reaction too initially. Like, what? Uh, you know, but I, I really had an affinity for it. And I even got initiated into it when I was just nine years old. Okay. I, I loved all that stuff. And finally, my mom kind of transitioned more into the yoga Vedanta world, uh, more Vedic, uh, more a little bit devotional stuff. Um, okay. And so I kind of grew up in a house that was that way. And, um, but I went to college to study industrial design. Um, okay. I finished. Um, and then after a short stint in the army, I was drafted. Then um, I actually joined a, a spiritual center near Paris. 
Okay. Uh, well, technically, they called it an ashram, but it was the part of the Vedanta Society. I don't know if you're familiar with it. That it kind of has branches all over the world. A little bit. I'm not extremely familiar, but I have heard. Uh, I am a little bit familiar. Yes. Yeah, in the Western world, it's really known as the Vedanta Society. In India, it's called Ramakrishna Math and Ramakrishna Mission. It's a huge, uh, vast uh, organization. Um, and I, I, I just joined there after college because I was kind of not interested in being an industrial designer, though I graduated with it and I worked for it for a while, but I thought, yeah, this is just boring as, as it can be. So I was interested in spiritual life and there was a big saint that lived there, an okay. Indian saint who headed that center and people from all over the world would, would come there and, and visit him. And I just loved to be there with, with the people interested in in living a spiritual kind of life and, and initially it was just that i just wanted to be there and hang out and it turns out i ended up as becoming a monk in that tradition and being 21 years as a vedic monk um kind of lived all over the world 11 years in india mm -hmm. uh, four years in france and england a year and then i was finally transferred to the united states here to be kind of a giving talks and and stuff like that and be part of a monastery in california Okay. And uh, so I was there for six years, my last six years in the order. And then finally, I, you know, I felt like, you know, this has been great. It was a great journey. I was happy with it. I was happy to be a monk. But at the same time, I thought, you know, there's other sides of, of life and of myself that I like to explore. And it was at that time when I started reading uh, Dr. Michael Newton's books, Journey okay. of Souls and Destiny of Souls. <laughs> Yes. And I was like, yeah, wow, this is like, you know, this is amazing. And I, I really would love to you know more. And so yes. as it all kind of coincided with my life and I was ready to kind of leave and keep my spiritual search obviously intact, but not being so institutionalized, basically not organized. Right. And uh, though we were very liberal in the way we did things, still it was one particular lifestyle which i thought i had explored enough so right i went back to college and for the next five years or so i studied uh, clinical hypnosis and then finally started to it takes you know a certain amount of years to qualify for the newton institute and then i finally was accepted there and then it took still another while before they allow you to practice. And finally, I started specializing in past life and life between life regressions. And uh, that's what I do now. And when you say when souls awaken, what I really did finally is, you know, write this book, When Souls Awaken. Yes. And that is um, the title of my one of my websites. Yes. And in this book, I share basically not only my own journey, but also the journey of my clients who um, went through these past life regressions and life between life regressions. Yes, very, very interesting. I actually have been very interested in, interested in Michael Newton's work and Lives Between Lives. Actually, um, the week before this airs, there will be another hypnotherapist who studied Michael's work. So, and I didn't even realize that, that you had also studied that and, and certif uh, a, a certified hypnotherapist studying Michael Newton. So that's amazing because I've been very interested in, 
and lives between lives. Um, because I do believe that we are divine souls and that we plan each incarnation, you know, before we come here. It's not a linear plan, like a straight line. We think, as humans, we think of everything in a straight line. I think our, the plan looks more like a spider web, you know, and, and it's, you know, so if you make this turn and that turn, but I believe that it's all, everything we do in our life, we plan from our higher self and it's for our highest good. So I, I, I'm so happy that, that you're talking about that because that's something I'm very interested in. And uh, please continue. So what, when did you come to the States? Uh, must be 10, 12 years ago. I don't remember. I think 2007 or so, which okay. is almost 13 years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, I basically specialize only in past life and life between life regression work and then I'm an author I write books about this topic uh-huh and um, yeah for me it's it's what you're what you're sharing that we're all one and that our nature is divine yes that is really what I like to share with my clients well the nice thing about the work that I do is that I have them experience it themselves yes yes so, yes but all, all of them, they come either through reading Michael Newton's books or nowadays I get a lot of people who have read my own book. And um, the beauty, what I'm trying to really share in my book particularly is the notion that um, science and spirituality can be together. Uh, yes. You opened up the idea, you opened up this, this uh, show today with the notion of quantum physics. and. Yes. I actually had a client, what triggered me to write this book is um, a lot of people, when you read Michael Newton's work, um, you know, he he was a groundbreaker and a pioneer, right? Just yes. like Brian Wise was for past yes. life regression. Yes. Michael Newton was the pioneer of life between life regression. And so they have really broken the ice and you know, was even risky for them for their academic credibility in a predominantly yes. left world of academia. Yes, very true. However, yes. I think I, most, still a lot of people, whether academia accepts it or not, I think millions and millions of people don't really care what academia thinks. They themselves are pretty much, you know, convinced that past lives and life and that that it could be a reality and whether you believe in past lives or not the notion that we are a soul living in a human body is something that definitely is you know for a lot of people right, right? Well, very widely uh, uh, um accepted i even organized religion speaks of that right. that we are souls that we are eternal we go on you know they you know organized religion sometimes they have it where there's you go on to heaven or hell, you know, one right. or the other, which I don't, I don't buy into that, especially I don't buy into the notion of hell. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. I think that's just a, a man-made up thing, but to control, but it's all good. Um, because everything, when I say it's all good, because it's all one, there is no separation. It's all God. It's just, uh, we're, we're all cells of God here to experience all that is. And yeah, and yeah so I- Well, the, the thing is that, that triggered me is I had a client who was a big 
well-known scientist and he um he came to my office in los angeles and uh i asked him at that time i hadn't written my book um where i am addressing some of these issues and i asked him i said well did you read michael newton's books and he said yes i did but i didn't really care about it okay I said, okay i said well why not okay said, well he said i'm a scientist and i'm a buddhist and i believe in the idea of oneness and the idea that you know like einstein tried to define the unified field theory and max planck and you know schrodinger and all the quantum physicists they they all try to share this notion of oneness and he said when i was reading uh, michael newton's books there was more an idea that there's a world out there where there's guides and angels and beings and he said to me it doesn't make sense when you think of oneness i mean mm -hmm. how do you, how do you correlate the idea of oneness with an afterlife he said i don't get it and i thought it was very much a christian judaic projection of the world upon heaven mm -hmm. and, and i said well it's a good question that you're asking i said however had you read michael newton's books all the way through right you would have realized that he never contradicted that i must give it to you that at some point he tapped out you know because he kind of left it open because he also wasn't i think fully sure you know what's beyond but he never said that this is it and this is this is life and there's there is no oneness above that because he definitely talks about different levels and so um however I think in the days that he wrote this book and in the days that the groundworking, groundbreaking work that he did was already such a huge thing that I think he wanted to also be cautious as to how far he would take it. Right. And he did it in a way that was very still acceptable in a way in a predominantly Christian Judaic culture. And then right. maybe in those days, though you said well that quantum physics is already 100 years old, but it's not really that much known or really understood by a lot of people and definitely not integrated with spiritual thought as much as, particularly not in the 60s and 70s. It's something that really now in the yoga world is much better understood. Yes. And so I thought, well, I would like to address this issue Mm -hmm. How can whatever Michael Newton said and described, because these are valid experiences that people had in re during regression sessions, yes. how, can you, how can you unify that with the notion that everything is one? What the Buddhists say and the quantum physicists say. I don't want to cut you off. I do want you to hold that thought. I do want you to continue. But here's the, here's the problem with human thinking. We always think it's this are that but in the truth it is always always this and that so michael newton's talking about yes we have a higher self we have a spirit team we have all of that just like there's seven billion people on this planet and they appear to be separate from us but they're not so yes there is that spirit world of your spirit guide, your spirit team, your higher self, your angels, all of that exists, but that does not take away from it's all one. It's still yeah, but I think a lot of people would like to understand that intellectually. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, a great philosopher has said that it is true that the intellect cannot answer all things, 
but spirituality can never go against reason. It needs to be logical and intelligent in a way that, you know, it can, the truth is the truth. It depends on the, on the, on the perspective you're looking at it. Exactly. However, you know, it can never be illogical. It can never be unreasonable. And so I, I'm a proponent of that idea that we do attempt to try to make sense of and try to understand how the idea of the soul and the idea of an afterlife and spirit guides, how can that coexist with the notion of quantum physics? Can these ideas, even intellectually, can they coexist? And in my finding, they do. They and do. so, yes. because even on this earth, though scientifically everything is one, and you and I don't really perceive that oneness really. Exactly. It, because of our conditioning, right? So the idea Actually, of it's not just because of, it is because of conditioning, that's one thing. But the other thing is scientific, everything I believe in is backed in science. Science has proven long ago how limited the human body is, how limited our sight is, how limited our, our hearing is. Absolutely, it, absolutely. It's extremely limited. And with, with scientific equipment, it can detect far more than our physical body. So I always say, if a person says, I only believe in what I can see with my physical eyes, then you're negating 99.99999% of what is actually surrounding you. And this is science. This is well, science. Let, let's yes. make a distinction between science and logic and reason, okay? These are two okay. different things. When I talk science, I don't mean just the empirical evidence, I mean, logic and reason and i think that um it's not a vain attempt to try to uh, see how far reason can take us uh, to understand the reality of that what beyond whatever we can see and feel mm -hmm. and the problem that we have is that we indeed we we try to judge everything with our limited uh, sensory idea and whatever we can see we say well that doesn't exist well that's not really intelligent to me i mean whatever is even whatever science declares to be able to see is not necessarily the proof that that is so because 100 years ago you could never say that well one day we're going to walk on the moon they would have laughed at you right our, our fly yeah <laughs> 300 years ago they said yeah the earth was flat and so you know just and there's because, still people saying that today which is funny but it's all good it is it's all I mean, about perspective yes well the thing is science uh, always is still limited to the degree of perception but what is important i feel is to try to reason and uh, use our intelligence to try to see whether we can still make sense of the idea of reincarnation the idea of life between life and the idea of quantum physics like can all of these ideas coexist if we would reason deeply enough and if we, if we be acquainted with bigger ideas that in our culture are not yet so much known whereas as you so rightly said in the beginning there has been for eons there have been cultures that have understood the oneness of all things and the vedas and in, in tibetan uh, you know, buddhism and in so many other cultures people have been aware of the oneness of things and if you read the upanishads the ancient scriptures of the vedas Thousands of years ago, they have already talked about the oneness of all things. But the beauty that we have today is that we do have quantum physics and that we have so many great scientific discoveries 
And um, what I always try to do is try to make people understand that the idea of a soul and the idea of an afterlife does not have to contradict logical and scientific thinking because we just haven't thought about it properly. And the way I look at it is that when the scientist told me at that time during my session, when he, he said, well, I didn't like Michael Newton, I said, well, maybe you haven't really understood exactly what it is he tried to do and how these ideas can all exist, your idea and his idea. He yes. said, well, how? Help me understand. I said, well, I asked him a simple question. I said, when you die, what dies? He said, well, my body dies. I said, do you believe that your spirit survives? He said, yes. Um, I said, well, there is already one mistake in your thinking. He said, if you think just your soul survives, then according to your thinking of oneness, that soul after death would just merge into the oneness. There wouldn't be any idea of past lives or life between lives or reincarnation possible because all that exists is your soul that is like a drop in the ocean and it would merge into oneness and said so but you said that you believe in the idea of reincarnation he said yes i do that makes sense to me i said okay so we have to make a small adjustment and the adjustment is that when you die it's not just your body that dies and what happens is around your soul it's not just the soul that survives. It is also all the conditioning that you have experienced, what we call a subtle body or an astral body. That is what is wrapped around the soul. And it is not the soul that, uh, that survives just by itself. It is also all the impressions of all the lives you have lived and all the memories and all the conditioning it, that dies, that survives with you. And so just as on earth, you perceive reality because of the conditioning you've experienced, your parents, your environment, your body. In the same way, in the afterlife, you still carry the sheath with you. And that's why you will see, even in the afterlife, you will see diversity. Mm-hmm. You will yes. see spirits. You will see yes. worlds. Yes. Because you're looking through that sheath. Yes. The, goal, the goal is to have that sheath become completely translucent that because of reincarnation that sheath gets so cleaned up basically gets so unwound it gets so uh, translucent that even while you're alive you could start perceiving oneness because there have been accounts of so many saints that have while they were living felt oneness with everybody and all of us too there are moments that we do feel that when we're full of love and the reason why we cannot see it now is because of all this conditioning around us in our minds, all these impressions, they are kind of like a sheath around us that separates us. All the notions of sex, of race, of culture, of the collective subconscious, all of these ideas, they kind of wrapped around our soul and kind of form a barricade. The more I think myself as a Dutchman, the less I will feel oneness with you as an American. The more I feel myself straight, the more difficult I will have the acceptance of gay. So the more, the more I get rid of all these ideas, the more clear my conditioning becomes, the more uh, translucent it becomes, the more I feel you and I, we are one. Yes. And so that state of purity is to be attained. And the same thing is true in the afterlife. So 
when we ascend into that afterlife, the sheep, of course, the body is not there, which is a big advantage, but all the memories of the past is still there. And it will determine what we perceive in the afterlife. And mm -hmm. so, but it is possible to come to a state where all of this is just going away. And then we will perceive that I am a drop of the ocean. Then my soul is part of the infinite reality. And that is the idea of nirvana, the idea of, of samadhi, the idea of the oneness of all existence. And you don't have to die for that. We can, we can experience that here and now, and that is the goal. Yes. And so what Michael Newton said and discovered in that work is absolutely real from the perspective of the beholder. But there is way more. There is way higher states of liberation and spiritual awakening. And what I'm trying to share in my book is that why wait till you're dead? Exactly. Why exactly. not come to that awakening here and now and feel the love and the oneness with every being, with every plant, with every tree. And, and the reward is the joy that you're going to feel in your heart, the, the yes. love that you're going to feel in your heart for everybody. Yes. Well, that exactly is the goal of this show. <laughs> is exactly the goal. You don't. You don't have to wait. To now, I have had many guests that have had near-death experiences, and in their near-death experiencing experiences, they experience that oneness. And there are people that experience that oneness that are deep meditators that have meditated for years, and they experience that connection to all that is, that oneness yeah. that we are. But exactly like you said, you don't have to die to get there. And I, I, I feel that's exactly why I launched this show is to inspire. It's not, I say, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a guru. I try to inspire people to go within because that oneness is within each of us. And I love you, you use the drop of the ocean because my favorite quote is Rumi, you're not, just a drop in the ocean you're the entire ocean yeah that's in the, the drop goal. that's you're the, the goal. entire ocean in the drop it's holographic meaning we are each of us are all of god in a drop all of and my term for god is all that is it's it's this table it's the computer it's the trees it's it's the plants it's every it's the animals it's everything is God. Well, yeah, and uh, the, the, the great philosopher Vivekananda said uh, that drop is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. Yes. So when you are in that state, um, on the threshold of oneness, where you still have a, sen a sense of I am, but before you merge in the ocean, at that highest level of, of uh, individuality that is still cosmic, then you are like a drop in the ocean. You're, every drop is the center because every drop is the ocean and its circumference is infinite in all directions. So exactly. at that point, we become one. And that to me also is on my personal level, that is my goal to, to, um, you know, to be permanently attached to that awareness. Exactly, exactly. And for me, it's a moment to moment. In each now moment, I remind myself of that truth that there is no one separate from me, that we're all one. And it's just each person has a different perspective and they're living their life by their perspective. But I know the truth of oneness lies within each of us. And when we tap into that, and usually we have to put our, our mind out of the way and just 
focus on, for me, it's focusing on my breath, going within and listening to more so my higher self, my soul is what, so what, what connects me to that oneness, all that is, but very, very true. And there's like, we're, there's so many different ways to, um, I say there's 7 billion people on the planet. So there's 7 billion different ways to connect and, and tap into that oneness and understand that it's, everything is just a different perspective. And yes, we take all of our experience because that's what God, God as all that is wants to experience everything. And so the experience in each lifetime, yes, we take with us. That doesn't go, the body actually comes from the ground and it goes back to the ground. It, it, you know, but your soul, the infinite soul takes the experience with each of us. And also the power of now is one of my great favorite books because I do believe time is only, and Einstein said this, time is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. If time is something we as humans use, but in the spirit realm, there is no time. We are, for me, I don't even say reincarnation anymore. I say simultaneous lives. We are living all of our lives in the eternal moment of now. So it's, it's all happening right here and now. Yeah, that, that is the experience of, uh, uh, you know, of the higher cosmic consciousness. And I get to see a lot of people in during these sessions to yes. experience that. And, uh, you know, the issue though, is that, you know, we may understand it intellectually and scientifically and inferentially, but to come to that, you know, realization is, is two different things, right? So uh, one thing that I learned when I used to live with many of these great saints, uh, when I was in India and so many of these places is that, what differs, what differentiates one from another is the level of experience. So, you know, we can have that notion, but then we have to make it a living and breathing reality. And that's where the truth of the difficulty comes in. And so I'm always a, um, a fan of people trying to have that experience for themselves. And that's one of the things that I love about the work that I do is that they get to experience some of this for themselves, that they... They go back to first the past life and that itself has huge psychological implications. You don't even, in the, first we go back to a past life and then we go back to a life between life. But let's say you do only a past life regression, that itself has huge implications for the psychology of somebody because what happens is if you have a real strong and vivid past life experience or a memory, it immediately starts to change the way you experience the here and now because you realize, oh my God, this is just an temporary, you know, play in a matrix. This is just yes. one, uh, one training program that I'm running. And I have so identified myself with it. I have difficulty distancing myself from it. I've bought into my own conditioning, my own, you know, sexuality, my own race, my own cultural conditioning, all of these things that I have so attached myself to so strongly whereas I'm an eternal being and I've lived in other lives and other bodies and other races and other you know, in other climbs. And so that itself opens somebody up to such a different way of thinking that immediately is a step towards love because yes. you realize I have been uh, Ahmed in uh, living in Abu Dhabi in my past life, immediately you become very much loving and open to the notion that, hey, you know, I was that same race. Yes. That now is so different from me. Yes. You know? 
Yes, exactly. So, I, 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 I identify what you're saying totally. I personally, I don't identify where the location, I don't right. identify with being an, a United States citizen or American. I don't identify with being a woman. I don't identify with being of color. I don't identify with any of these things. And I say, I don't identify with any one religion. I don't identify with any of it because I know I've been it all. I know I've been male and female. I know I've been gay and straight. I know I've been of every color. I know I've experienced it all. So now that I'm awakened to who I truly am, I don't identify with any of it. That is so beautiful and it's such an important lesson. And if anything, that is the first fundamental, you know, step towards realizing that we're all one. Of course, you know, the problem is that not everybody is willing or able or, you know, to accept the notion that we have lived before. And so that's where quantum physics comes in. You know, you don't have to believe in past lives to embrace uh, this idea because at the end of the day scientifically what we're seeing is totally inaccurate i mean our senses are so extremely limited yes to say that what i'm seeing is reality is the biggest uh, fault to begin with and so at yes. the end of the day only oneness does exist scientifically so accurate i mean put your hand under a powerful microscope and you realize there's no hand to be seen i mean exactly exactly i'll never forget one of my awakening moments happened to me in seventh grade when we were studying atoms and molecules and my science teacher clearly said nothing is truly solid so and i was like what you know but that was an awakening because what he was saying was speaking to my soul yeah it wasn't just it wasn't an intellectual moment it was a soul moment and my soul's like, yeah, this is true. Nothing is true. we and and we separate the physical from the spiritual, but it's not. There is no de- separation. The what we call physical is just very dense. Mm. It's very, it's much denser, and it's at a lower vibration. Everything is energy vibrating at a certain frequency. And what we are calling the physical realm, the physical right. reality, is just extremely. It's so dense it appears to be solid to our limited senses but it, it's still spirit it's still a part of spirit well you know the definition of yoga is yoga chitta vritti niroda the cessation of the waves of the mind so when we it is possible to start to actually experience not in some intellectual conceptual or even a belief sense but in an actual sense of perception that it's possible to start to actually perceive that and so when when you read the definition of yoga yoga chitta vritti niroda it means yoga is the cessation of the waves of the mind so when the waves of the mind all these waves that are produced by karma by perpetual motion by conditioning that sits in our subconscious mind that is both the collective of our past as well as what we get out in this life mm-hmm. and it's continuously in motion and this motion is like a big dense screen that that prevents the soul from truly manifesting and so the 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 eastern philosophy it says this beautifully it's not so much you know that the soul needs to evolve because soul already is perfect it's it's already the drop of the ocean but what it needs to do is needs to manifest and so how does it manifest it is by clearing out all these waves that are perpetually in motion in our subconscious being and so when we learn through yoga, through pranayama, through breath work, we can address 
we can address those waves and we can kind of, you know, when you, Yogananda used to say, you know, some, pranayama is samadhi. This yes. breath work can lead to the notion of oneness. When the mind waves flatline, then the soul can manifest freely. And so we are able to, at that moment, to experience actually, perceptually, experientially, we can start to experience oneness. We can actually feel and see and sense that everything is one and connected. And so it's not at that point anymore an intellectual experience. At that moment, it becomes a living and breathing reality. And so what a lot of people don't understand is that this is something we can practice, that we can do techniques for, that there is many spiritual practices and breathing and yoga practices and Buddhist practices and all kinds of practices, prayer, whatever tradition you come from. Yes. If we learn to quiet the mind, the stillness in our minds, whatever religion you have, wherever you come from, whether you know the word yoga or not is not really important, but the secret is to quiet the waves in the mind. And because that's the sheath that hold all the conditioning. And once these, these waves in the mind flatline, they become really quiet, that moment the mind becomes, it's like fog on a mirror. Yes. You can't see yourself because the fog is all the memories of your past and all the workings of your conditioning. And once that fog evaporates, yes. when, when all the density is gone, I can see myself yes. in the mirror. I can see my own soul manifesting. And there is not only a tremendous inner joy, and, but there's knowledge, there is light, and there is love at that moment. Very true. Very true. Um, I, for me, I had, it was a science documentary I was watching that I had that awakening to oneness. And it wasn't from an intellectual level. It no. was from a heartfelt level. And it wasn't even, it was one particular statement that was made from a person who's not a scientist. Her name was Lynn McTaggart. She made this statement. She said, the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness. And when she said that, something woke up inside of me, just like when the, my science teacher said, nothing is truly solid, something woke up inside of me, that was my soul. It wasn't an intellectual knowing, it was a soul knowing that right. yes, the biggest problem is that we think we're separate when we're all one. And when man, and I see, and I believe the day will come when mankind as a, a collective consciousness will wake up to the truth of oneness. And when we understand that we are all one, that would not only put it into war, it'll put it into poverty, it'll put it into all illness, it'll put it into all of the problems that we have on this planet. I agree. And it, it starts with every individual first taking responsibility for their own idea of being separate. And we have to start small by first learning to accept everybody around us and to just think a little bit deeper to understand that wherever I feel uncomfortable with somebody is because I want to hold on to my old notions and I'm afraid to let go of these old notions. And I should not be afraid. I should embrace everybody. I should embrace all cultures, I should embrace all the diversity and, and don't feel that they're going to take anything away from me. Because in reality, they're going to, as you say beautifully, 
they're going to contribute to sharing of wealth. They're going to contribute to sharing of knowledge. They're going to contribute to sharing of safety. Because oneness is actually what brings peace. Yes. And so people are so afraid. And that's why they're becoming racist. That's why they're becoming fundamentalists. That's why they're becoming idiots. Because they want to hold on because they're afraid of others that it's going to take something away from them. But in reality, it's the exact opposite. Exactly. Because oneness leads to all the good things. Yeah. And so yes. this, should be taught. this should be taught in schools. This should be taught in churches. In, in, but yes. they the opposite. They're, they're teaching. Yes, it's very true. I do believe this should be taught in everywhere. That's why um, I think, and it should, I, I love that it's really, if we think of it, it from the very simplistic truth of oneness, where every, everything is telling us that we're one, science, ancient wisdom, ancient religions. I mean, everything is telling us that we are all one. And when you know it in your heart, it brings about unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness. You, you know that that other is a part of you, so you can forgive that other. And, and, and it also brings about unity within diversity, meaning another yeah. person can believe something totally different. And I have friends like this. I have friends that are fundamentalists, but I love them and they love me. So, and we don't have to believe the exact, I can have love and respect for someone that has a total opposite belief than me. I can still, cause that's their perspective. And I know that in their core, they are a divine being. And so they have a different perspective than me. I can still love them and appreciate them. I don't, we don't, you don't have to agree to yeah. love and, and respect another person. And to also understand that duality is the reality of the material world. Yes. I mean, there will always be duality as there will be opposites, hot and cold, warm and uh, not warm. And there will be uh, ugly and, and not ugly. And there will be light and darkness. And they, these pairs of opposite are on a material level realities. And, and that's okay. Yes, it is. You know, and yes. that, you know, you, you are more than a material being. And so that the idea is to understand that, you know, diversity uh, is totally okay on a material level, but that you are a mental, spiritual being mm -hmm. that does not have to identify with the material and not be sucked down to the material level. Yes. So that we, we both have the intelligence to understand that there will always be diversity. Yes. There will always be gay, straight, and in between. There will always be all the colors of the rainbow. There yes. will always be all the countries in the world. There will always be different languages. Yes. And that is the, the beautiful uh, tapestry of this material world. Yes. And that uh, this diversity is not a scary thing, but that mental, on a mental spiritual level is where we need to have conceptually and spiritually that's where we need to find the oneness in, yes. in education and in understanding and spiritual understanding. Yes. And so not to seek, what people do is they try to seek oneness on a material level, which is basically creating a theosophy, you know, trying to establish one religion or trying to establish one thought, but it can never be. Exactly. In the material exactly. world, you can never have oneness. Yes. So once we understand that there's different levels and we become less fanatic on a material level and trying to change things 
to suit our, you know, affinities, yes. our physical and cultural affinities. Yes. Because they're, you know, just accept the fact that in France they speak French. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, Don't yes. try to make it one there because right. it's never going to be one at that level. It's going to be one in an idea that, you know, I may live in France or in Holland or in the United States or in India. Mm -hmm. My being is not attached to any of it. Right. Like beautifully, I don't identify with man or woman. I don't identify with with race. I don't identify with religion. I don't identify. So, yes, you know, there's these different tiers that we need to yes. properly understand. Yes, and and from the um, from the material dualistic point of view, the symbol, the yin yang symbol, yeah. which is equally dark black and white it's equal yeah. Yeah. i love that because to me that is the symbol of oneness you know if you understand that what people call good and evil is all a part of the yeah. oneness it's very important to it's not separate yes oh there's this beautiful uh indian uh, deity kali you know mm -hmm. And uh, she's a goddess that has like several arms and holds a skull in one hand and a sword and then a blessing in the other. Mm -hmm. And stands on the chest of another deity, Shiva. And so this symbology, what it really represents is that, you know, in the material world, you know, I am all of this. Yes. Like she says, I am the creation means I am good and evil. So you hear sometimes in church being said, oh, God is good. But it's a very limited idea of thinking about reality because in reality, the goddess, she is good and evil. She is the manifestation of this universal world. And in this duality, yes. duality as a whole, as you said, the yin and the yang, it's one. Yes. But they, that includes the, the, the darkness and the light. And so liberation can never be found in the yin and the yang it can only be found in transcendent transcending yes duality, duality so what right. i was trying to say earlier is that right. on the material plane there will always be yin and yang and there will always be diversity and liberation is not to be found in being only good right liberation is is understood that the duality of all things that is the oneness and i can only find liberation in accepting one is from that much higher perspective. Yes, very true, very true. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. And, and I'd like for you to share, do you have some um, case, like um, some of your patients' um, journeys that you can share with us when you've taken them in hypnosis? Some, some you know, some amazing accounts of their, their um, therapy, of their trend, of their, what am I, regression. Sure. That's the word I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, yes. I do this all the time. And so I, I've gone through hundreds and hundreds of these cases. Yes. Um, of all different kinds. Um, one that just comes to mind is, it's in one of my chapters of my book, is I had this interesting guy come in. He was a, he was a publisher in San Diego, of in, in Las Vegas. Okay. Um, one of my stops is Las Vegas. And... Uh, yeah, he was a very tall gentleman that came in and he was very um, indrawn. So when he first walked in, he was kind of indrawn. It was almost like he was stoned. You know? Okay, okay. But he was very indrawn and very quiet, but very big personality. And so I thought, oh, that's going to be interesting. So 
we started going back uh, first in the past life, and it turns out that you know we were going back to him first being a peasant somewhere in uh, in France or Belgium somewhere. Okay. He was a simple peasant, um, but he felt within himself that he had much more um, potential, and so he um, at that time you know Europe was governed by the Catholic Church mostly. Yes. And so he, he, he went from the village. He had this ambition to do something more with his life. And so he was seeking employment of actually he wanted to join the church. Okay. Because he said, I want to join something bigger than I feel I experience right now as a peasant. And so he had that internal feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm something bigger. I want to belong to something. And he kept repeating, like, you know, I want to have purpose. And so... Yes. In medieval Europe, what is there other than the church that is a powerful organism? And so, right, he wanted to join the, uh, he wanted to become a monk, and so he he uh, approached the offices of the bishop, and one of the attendants of the bishop says, "Well, you know, you don't have to join the church as a monk. Well, why don't you take employment with me, and you become an attendant of the bishop? Would you like mm. to do?" Okay. Yes, uh, sure, I, I'll do that. And so he became an attendant of the bishop, and through over the years, he became more and more close with the church. And finally, as I progressed him forward, he um, he had joined the Crusades as mm -hmm. a soldier uh, of the church because there was okay. a they had, they had this papal armies, you know, papal army, papal, you know, the pope's armies. Okay. And okay. he had uh, the bishop had sent him to join uh, one of the one of the journeys, one of the, the fights that the church was experiencing against invaders or against other countries or territorial wars and whatnot. And so right. he, from the bishop's uh, employment, he, he temporarily joined one of those papal, papal armies. How okay. are you? Papal, papal, I don't know how you pronounce it. So okay. either, yeah, either way. Uh-huh, no, no, then, I get you. And then and the scene uh, went forward and Suddenly he found, and he was walking after one of those battles, he was walking with his army towards Rome. Okay. And so I asked him, what are you, why are you going to Rome? He said, well, you know, we are being commended by the Pope for our, you know, uh, for our sacrifices and for fighting for the, and he was very emotional. He felt so happy that he's belonging to something bigger. Right. And finally, you know, it, uh, we regressed him forward and he actually was in front of the Pope. And he, he um, you know, he wept profoundly. And the Pope, uh, you know, gave him um, a command of a big army because he okay. had very heroic and he had defeated so many people. And he finally became a big commander right. in, 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 a, in, a, in a church, a church controlled army. Okay. And then we progressed him further and it ended up at the end of the story, he became a king. Oh. He was a king, and I have all my years I've only seen two kings. It's not okay. very common that everybody's a king. Okay. He ended up being a king of some kingdom in Prussia somewhere. Okay. In Hungary, Austria, and that area. Okay. He king um, of a of a country, and it, and he described that experience what it was like to be a king. Wow. And it was beautiful. It was just an amazing experience how this peasant ended up becoming a king. That's amazing. Yeah, that is really amazing. And uh, then, yeah. Yeah. What happened then? We then we went further because we do uh, after the past life, we do the life between life, and so 
Right. You always wonder what happens to these souls after they were kings, right? So right, right. he ended up going up higher and there he met um, he met a guide and the guide took him, I think, to some other council or whatever and there mm -hmm. having an overview of this life as a king. Right. And so, you know, we asked some questions at that point, like, you know, how was this life? And uh, he said it was, it was a very good life because I had a lot of purpose. Mm -hmm. a very noble king and then uh, the question uh, that we ask is well what could you have done differently and so he was asking the guides and the council of great beings mm -hmm. what could you have done differently and he says well i could have you know be more um attached to the idea of love mm. i was i was attached to the idea of of nobility i was attached to the idea of power I was attached to the idea of, of being good for everybody, but I wasn't really aware of the notion of love, mm -hmm. that we're all one and that, you know, yes. ambition is, is all, all right. And you may be a king, but you never considered the fact that, you know, we are at the end of the day, all uh, one people. And so yes. then we, from there, we went to the idea of his soul in this life. Okay. And so, because, we want to take that learning to this life. And then we asked, we asked him like, well, how are you trying to bring this learning from your past life into this life? And he says, well, in this life, I'm really trying to be much more aware of the idea that I shouldn't be striving for power, but I should be striving for kindness. I should be striving for love. I should be striving for oneness. And he was, as a publisher, he was trying to, do that work by spreading ideas and knowledge to all the people and using his intelligence and using his experience for good and not for his own conquest, not for his own power, not for his own rising. Yes. Uh, and so he had this, these noble qualities. He had these qualities of leadership that he had acquired in past lives. And in this life, he was learning to use it to elevate consciousness. Mm, so it was this very good. beautiful... It is, and he had a big impact as a publisher. And so the thing awesome. is, you see yeah. that, king, that king quality, you see it like you're being a presenter. That's a big platform. So yes. who knows what your past life has been, you know? So the idea is to, the queen <laughs> is working out ideas to spread knowledge over a much bigger audience and at a much higher level. It's not about conquest. It's not about power. Yeah. It's about spreading ideas of love and then using your capabilities, your platform, Yes. Or, and, and it was the, the message that was very much given there is that don't be stagnant. You mm -hmm. must contribute. Right. To the idea of oneness. Everybody has a responsibility. Yet, yes, we are one, but we have to work at it together. Yes, exactly. We all, what I say all the time, we're all unique aspects of God. And, and it's like if you think of a big, gigantic puzzle, each piece is shaped a little differently. Each piece is unique. So we each have to do our part and yeah. bring our part to the whole. Because if we don't, no one else can fill what we're here to do. We all have a divine purpose. We're all here. We chose our divine purpose in the in-between lives. And we come back for a, a unique purpose. And nobody else can fulfill our purpose. So if we don't fulfill our purpose, it won't get, it won't get done. That, that yeah. piece will be missing from That's the whole. Beautifully yeah. said. That's so well said. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, and, you know, and it doesn't matter what the range of our impact is, you know. It, yes. 
uh, I, I many times I when I was younger I always used to think like you know it would be nice to have my own spiritual center and give yes. big talks and I used to do that to some extent in giving talks and you know in the monastery and this and that and so right um, but then I, later on I realized now I'm just working with individuals doing yes. this work it's not about being on a big platform per se whatever work you do whether you work somewhere at a bakery and you Right. you share love with every client that you meet it's not it's not about doing big things per se but it's about sharing that frequency with others that is more powerful than 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 anything you could ever imagine so that is so true our, yeah each in our own way we yes. we when we create that frequency of love and oneness and acceptance we are much more powerful than we could possibly radiate than we could, could realize Yes, that's so true. Like you could be passing someone in the grocery mart in, in the grocery store and they might be just having a, a really bad day and you just smile. You can just smile and say, you know, wish them a good day. And that may just lift their spirit. It's, it's the little things. It's the little act of kindness. Every single little act of kindness that you, you share with the world, it's rippling. It's, that's a ripple effect throughout the whole universe not just the world, when yeah. a simple act of kindness, just a smile, just a, I wish you a good day, just those simple acts of kindness, they have great effect for the entire universe. That's yeah, how powerful we are. It is, and I always used to remember a prayer that we used to have in, uh, before we had a meal that was, if you want peace of mind, do not look at the mistakes of others, because they're all part of you. And I, I, many times I, I catch myself that I'm, the other day I was uh, grocery shopping and somebody was in front of me and it looked a little odd. And I, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, my God, you know, and then I realized, you know what, man, don't do that because, you know, you don't know the story of that person. You don't know how many lives they have lived. And I want to see the soul of that person in front of me behind all these strange clothing, behind that shabbiness. I want to see the, the eternal reality of that person and immediately i felt something within myself like you can feed yourself a little current of negativity into your heart every time you see difference but in reality by practicing such a simple thing like you know if i just every person that i see and i make an attempt to internally i don't have to do anything internally i can just give everybody the advantage of the doubt and give everybody the idea like wow you are an eternal being and at that moment i send a little current of love into my heart and that way instead of seeing diversity i slowly start to strengthen within myself the idea of kindness love and acceptance and i and then my heart becomes that that place where every single person is not judged but in my heart accepted as part of this oneness of reality and yes. so what is the net result that I'm at peace? Yes. And then what is the net result of me being at peace? You know, unbeknownst, I send out light and, and, and positivity into this world. And so, but it starts with me practicing that. Exactly. At every given moment with every person that I see, and not see difference, but see the oneness behind each being. And that is, a, and you know, when I just start to practice that, there is this subtle shift in my heart that feels, you know, I feel that little joy current coming. Yes. 
you know? Yes, yes, yes. yes. That is so true. Um, I live in the, in the mountains in the Poconos, not far from New York City. And I just happened to have a meeting in New York um, this past Sunday, two days ago. And um, there was, as I was waiting for, I take a shuttle from New York to back to the Poconos. So I'm waiting for my shuttle. I noticed there was a homeless man who was mm. going through the trash. And if I had, see, I, I, I'm bad. I can't, I never carry cash. I have no cash on me. I just have my, my, my credit card. And um, if I had cash, I would give him a few, you know, a few dollars, but I didn't have cash, but I did just, I, I said a little prayer and I said, namaste. Cause I know that within namaste, meaning the, the divine soul within you, I am bowing down to because even though right now your physical uh, appearance is homeless and you're mm. you're you're going looking to trash for food, and I I know that you are a divine being. I know you are a divine soul, and I I say silently. I didn't say it aloud, but silently I say Namaste to him. And like I said, if I had a few cat a few dogs, I just was like I was going home from the meeting and I had nothing but my credit card. And so, but, uh, yeah. yeah well, that's beautiful. That's, that's the yeah. practice that we, we, we all have a choice at any given moment to inclusion or to exclusion, you know? And so yes. that choice is the power that we have as a, as an, a, a being that is aware. Yes. And so, yeah. and every day at any moment we make that choice to, to either go towards oneness or to separateness yes so um, the more we strengthen the awareness that i have a choice yes. the more aware i'll become because the awareness what it to me really means is aware of the fact that you have a choice to see oneness within yourself and in the universe or you are not aware and you just live as an automated Right. habit machine that is not yes. participating in creating anything positive yes right? so, so yes no that is that to me is what awareness is and we we, we have to practice that and, and cultivate that and it's difficult i mean it's difficult for me and it's difficult for everybody but you know we just keep plugging away at it every day trying to be a little bit better and a little bit exactly more uh, exactly kind and and the thing I always say, too, is everybody, see, when you look from the spiritual eyes, with spiritual eyes, you know that everybody is exactly where they're supposed to be. So everybody is awake or asleep to the level they're supposed to be. Eventually, we will all be awake, you know, but in, in this illusion of time, it mm. seems like one some but in in truth we're all still in spirit it's just a small portion of us that come in incarnate because our entire soul can't really fit into this body you know it's just a tiny piece of us that is here the 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 larger part of us our higher self still is in the spiritual realm and and it's this small piece of us that forget we come here to play in this game, this matrix, this dream. I say this dream of our own creation because God wants to experience it all. So he's experiencing life as Peter. He's experiencing life as Caroline. And what he takes from this life is all of those experiences. You know, yeah. He sheds the body, but he takes the experiences. 
couldn't be said more poetically and beautifully. That's, you know, if you read some of the Eastern scriptures, the Upanishads and the Vedas, they describe um, reality to be the way you do it, the way you said it. It's really very beautiful and, and, and kind of really the only way to really make sense of it all, you know? And honestly, that makes sense because I was sent to Catholic school as a young child. And what I was being taught in Catholic school never resonated with me. It didn't make sense. No. But this one, it was oneness. Like I said, I think I it was around 2007 that I was watching What the Bleep, which is a, a, a quantum a film on quantum physics. And I had it was an awakening. It truly was. It was like, I get it. And once I understood oneness, everything else made sense yeah you know, everything it just made everything make sense to sense to me and it made sense to me on an on a layman elementary level not a big quantum science i am not a i'm not a scientist so i can't go around explaining science from a scientific perspective but i can explain it from a, a layman's perspective that everything is energy and that energy is interconnected and interdependent. Very simple explanation of what it is. And yes, and I do believe one by one, we are awakening as a collective humanity. And I do believe we're heading in the right direction. I believe that too. And I think there's much more positivity going on than we realize. Yes. Not to be deluded by the news, but there are so many millions and billions of people here all feeling like we do and, and think there's a lot of longing out there for that new world. And I, I, I'm also convinced that it will take place, that it will happen eventually. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I, I smile anytime people say the word news because it was just, um, I was told within after 9-11, um, I was, uh, there was nothing on but news. So I had the TV on in the background and the news was on. I was cleaning up my room and something within me said, turn off that news and never turn it back on again. Now this wasn't audible. It was a feeling from within. Yeah. Yeah. And it said, turn off the news and never turn it back on. Now this is before I was awakened to the universal truth of oneness. So I didn't know why. And I even said, why? <laughs> but I was obedient. I walked over to the, turn, the to the television, turned it off. I have never watched news since. Now, I and people will say, "Oh, you don't know what's going on." I know everything that's going on. First of all, I'm on the internet, and headlines. When you go into your email, headlines pop up and blah blah blah. If I see something interesting, I might click and read about it. But normally, I'm I'm like, no 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 no. I don't need that vibration. And then it was many years later I learned. The reason why my inner self, my higher self said turn it off was because it was that the vibration was a low vibration, keeping us in a state of fear. That's what the news, news does. And so once I learned, okay, I was very happy I made that decision. It is. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's again, that idea that we have a choice. And we have a choice to see that awareness and we have a choice to be aware and to, to, to vote for oneness versus living in fear and which creates separateness. And so, you know, we, 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 nobody can, you can say, oh, it's such a negative world, but it's not. It's, it's one of your own making. I mean, the moment you, you make a choice to turn off the news and you make a choice to, 
to be positive and ir irrespective of whoever's around you, um, you know, we, we will be the recipient of the choice that we make. I mean, if I make a choice towards diversity and, and say, well, oh, you, you're too different, what happens to me? I get a little negative shock into my being. Uh, that negative energy is, is like polluting me. Whereas if I choose to say, hey, you know, you and I, we're one, at that very moment that that love brings us together and then we have suddenly more positive energy and more light and who is the beneficiary of it i am because i feel good i taste my own the results of my own positive choice and, and i'll be happier so yes yes it's something that is very practical yes it's, it's very you know yes. rewarding yes 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 i think it's very practical and i really think when people really look at it it, it's undeniable, you know, I really do. I think when people truly look at it, um, you, they find it for, for themselves within, because that's where it, it is in within each of us. Yeah, yes. yeah, I agree. Thank you so much, Peter, for being my guest. Could you please share with our listeners where they can find you and where they can get a copy of your book? Well, this is the book. Yes. Uh, it's called When Souls Awaken, Real Life Accounts. I have to read my own title. From Past Life, Between <laughs> <laughs> Life Regressions. And you can get it on Amazon. That is the easiest way. If you have yes. Prime, it's free shipping. Um, if yes. you don't have Prime, you may as well get it from my website. Um, if you want a signed copy, get it from my website. Okay. It's Okay. So I would say just go to Amazon because it's the easiest. And... Um, Okay. If you want to contact me, you can go to whensoulsawaken.com okay. or uh, elsen, is E-L-S-E-N, hypnotherapy.com. And on my website, there are all kinds of ways to, uh, you know, meet me and connect with me. And, um, you know, I travel a lot uh, through different areas of the country. So okay. um, if you want to, anybody wants to do sessions in the East Coast or West Coast, I'll okay. be on the West Coast every two months. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm always available. In different awesome. Places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yes, very good. Yes, yes. I love your accent. I love European accents. They're just <laughs> yeah. so much better than American accents. <laughs> <laughs> so much richer, I think. Yes. Well, well, thank you so much for being my guest. And I love what you're doing. I love that you're following your inspiration and, and, and healing the world by doing what you're supposed to be doing and so that's what i try to do with this show encourage people go within tap into your truth and live your truth like you said it's not always easy but when you do it you feel good that's yes. the only thing because feeling good is a sign from your soul that yeah you're doing what you came here to do so, yeah 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 thank you yes Thank you so much. I love this. And uh, hopefully, maybe, um, I don't, I travel a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, late, since I've been doing the show, I've been traveling more. So I'm, I'm looking forward to traveling more in 2020. So maybe our paths will cross. Hopefully. Yes, it's a small world. So we'll yes, hold it again. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Very true. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You and uh, we'll be in touch very soon. And thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.